0: This is the 57 catch catch-up Podcast, and it's your boy Dre. And today's topic is about the obsessive hypergamy disorder. And it's the idea of being broke, subjective or objective, or even both. And my stance on this to start off the conversation is that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you hear so many women online, especially the content creators on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and all of that, you know, they talk about, oh, they don't want to deal with a man that's, you know, broke or le- making less than uh, six figures and everything like that. So I would like to kind of break it down in this video and kind of go over the, um, false idea of them finding that type of man. Uh, but at the same time, that's not to say that some of them, some of them can't find that type of man but it's just to say that most men who are in America are not making that much. So my thing is that, you know, you have them talk so much about leveling up and being done with dusties and blackistan and things of that sort, which means that they're done with black men or they feel like they have an economic reason to stop dealing with black men uh, because they see that as marrying down, even though we come from the same lineage, by the way, or mind you, uh, they still have this notion that they can find better outside of their race. I mean, of course, on the flip side, black men do the same thing as well. So I'm, of course, I'm not going to just zero in on just black women. But in terms of this, in terms of this conversation, I want to kind of circulate it around like the divesters and the swirlers and the disorder that they have, which I called, um, you know, obsessive hypergamy disorder where they're obsessed. And, and me, I feel like the symptoms of being this obsessive, um, hypergamy type type of divestors that you're obsessed with the idea of reaching for, um, you know, a better social status. And this whole idea of getting with, I guess, ultra high value men who have, you know, a lot in their bank accounts and things like that. But I would like to kind of break it down in terms of the whole six figure notion. So according to uh, Yahoo, you know, they said about 48% of Americans who earn over a hundred thousand dollars. A year we're living paycheck to paycheck up 1% from the previous month there are financial consequences up ahead for the millions of Americans who barely have enough cash to meet their basic expenses so what they're saying is that roughly half um of Americans who make that much you know they're living or were living paycheck to paycheck and they're having a hard time you know taking care of their basic expenses so it depends i would say on location and it depends on like you know um their expenses and stuff like that so to me i feel like when they even talk about the idea of being broke it's like are you saying that only the men who are making less than six figures are broke or are you saying that anybody who's you know I, well what i'm trying to say is that well for the ones you know for the people who are making you know, over six figures and they are living paycheck to paycheck. Would you call them dusty too? Like, would you call them dusty knowing that they barely can meet their basic needs, especially the ones who make up the half, who have a hard time, um, you know, getting the basics or paying for the basics and stuff like that? So my thing is that, you know, all of this to me is probably, probably a little bit more subjective because when you think about it, um, you know, depending on your location, you know, that might make a difference. So if you live out in Cali or something like that, live in California, you know, putting a down payment on a home, you know, or just even buying a home straight out, you know, might cost you at least, you know, upwards of a million or more, uh, depending on where you live in California. And then in New York might be, it might be the same outcome and all of that type. of So it might be slightly cheaper, but it might slightly be you know, the same or kind of roughly the same and stuff like that. So that's what I'm saying is that these divesters they have all of these kind of unrealistic expectations of men making that much, not knowing that. Yeah, it's about, you know, your debt level. So really, when they say that they're looking for a high value, man, they're looking for men who come from a wealthy family. They're looking for men who, um, you know, have a top tier occupation that, you know, that's pretty much rare to, to get. You know, I guess the ones who have like PhDs or whatnot, they're looking for the types that are like the Bill Gates, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Jeff Bezos type, uh, you know, of them all, I guess you can say. And what they don't realize is that, you know, most of those men might not even be checking for those divesters and swirlers and stuff like that, you know, because some of them might not even be, you know, into black women like that. Um, so I think that they have this kind of like, you know, delusional uh, mindset of thinking that they're going to cuff them a white man or a, uh, or an Asian man or just somebody, like I said, who was not black because I guess they feel like, you know, they're going to struggle and stuff like that if they continue to deal with black men. But look, they don't understand that, you know, in order to, you know, in order to fully understand, you know, the plight of black men in, in America, they have to realize that yeah. Since we come from a lineage that was very um, disenfranchised and, you know, and coming from chattel slavery and stuff like that, of course, that's going to put you at a disadvantage in terms of making the six figures. Now, people might call that an excuse or whatnot, but it's not an excuse to me. It's just the reality of what we face, because it's so much data to cover um, the reasons why, you know, black men are not six figure earners on average. And things like that you know it's because coming from that lineage you know makes it in other words impossible for you to reach that level unless you get lucky and are put in those spaces because oftentimes when you come from a wealthy family nine times out of ten you're going to be wealthy yourself you're going to it's going to be easier for you to make the uh you know six figures or whatnot so that's what they really mean when they say that they obviously mean men who are not in debt men who have a Uh, a high FICO score or credit score uh, uh, and a man who comes from a very very you know elite wealthy type of family Um, and what they don't realize is that yeah you know those men you know may not even treat them right and that's not to say that they should deal with broke men because I don't you know I don't want to make it seem like you know women dating broke men are any better no we're not saying that well I'm not saying that at least not at all. My thing is that you know, um, just because a man is making uh, sixty thousand or fifty thousand—I mean, fifty or sixty thousand a year—doesn't mean he's broke. You know, uh, that to me, I guess that's pretty much in the middle. That's like he's not poor, but he's not rich either. But those type of men get overlooked because you know, obviously, they don't have you know the a lot of zeros in their bank account or whatnot. So, yeah, you know, it's like an obsession. That a lot of these women have, they have this kind of obsession where they just kind of are gung ho over, you know, high earning men and not even thinking about, you know, that man's integrity and their code of ethics or whatnot. It's like they're so fixated on just the bottom dollar. It's like a lot of them are hoes for white men. You know, it's like they don't mind being, you know, the white man's whore. It's like they really just kiss up white ass a lot, probably eat it, too. And they, uh, you know, really don't realize that, yeah, it's not getting them anywhere by just being so mercenary and being so greedy and stuff like that. So that's not to say that women shouldn't, especially black women, shouldn't um have high standards because you should have high enough standards, but it should also be realistic standards. And that's my whole thing with this whole notion of thinking that you can just get with any high value white man or high value Asian man and then think that your life is just going to be, you know, perfect and you're going to be able to live in luxury. And my thing is that, yeah, I mean, that's not to say that some of these women don't talk about the downside of that, uh, of, of the swirling idea or the divesting idea, because it's like, why would you divest from a community that needs repair? The only reason why I think it is, is because they're trying to find an escape patch and they have this kind of notion that okay if they escape from you know the legacy of oppression then everything's going to be better and of course i get it i get that you know a lot of us black people are trying to kind of make it out of poverty and trying to start um a much better life and stuff like that we want to be able to have access to like uh, a better quality of life that's understandable but for those divestors to really um throw black men in the trash and by saying, you know, they're not, you know, uh, trying to be a part of Blackistan, you know, the fact that they refer to the community as Blackistan and call all black men Pookies and Ray rays, and, um, you know, call us bullet bags and Nakers and stuff. I'm like, these women obviously have been traumatized by a lot of black men as to the reason why they have this obsession of like, you know, being very disparaging towards black men and, you know, pedestalizing white men, especially rich white men. And my thing is that, yeah, they, they really, uh, just, you know, don't understand the fact that, you know, doing what, doing, I guess, the thing that is more realistic. I don't want to sound like I'm ra- rambling or anything like that, but I'm just saying that, you know, you hear so much about these women, you know, saying these things and uh, always trying to make black men feel bad. And, you know, they have such a misandrous type of uh, way about them where they just hate black men a lot of times. And I'm just saying, look, you know, America created this whole uh, thing of black men not being able to make the six figures. We didn't create this thing. We're only trying to make it out here, you know. Um, so my thing is that to me, I don't think the women like that, they don't appreciate the hard work men do. It's not really about the hard work uh some men do. It's more so about how much money they make. So it's like, um, even if it's ill-gotten, they feel like that's all that matters to them uh, in terms of like the money. So if it's ill-gotten wealth in terms of like them exploiting people at, uh, from the bottom or at the bottom or something like that, they feel like, OK, well, they'll still go after those types because usually when people come from wealthy families, um, those wealthy families are usually exploitative uh, towards those at the bottom. That's usually how it works a lot of times, especially if they're owners of a company, they exploit employees uh, to increase their profits. And that's just, you know, the whole notion. So it's like they're trying to chase after after the elite lifestyle because they've never had it before. Usually women who've never had it before, of course, they, you know, become so obsessed with it, you know. So obviously these women are very broken inside and they, you know, don't know how to deal with their trauma. They have not gotten therapy and everything like that for the trauma that they are faced with. See there, I feel like a lot of those women uh, on YouTube and other social media platforms don't know how to deal with their trauma. They don't know how to deal with, you know, the problems that they're facing, that they're faced with internally. Um, They just Get so caught up in this whole notion that, oh, well, uh, getting with a high value man is just gonna somehow take all of your problems away. No, those are, that's just a band-aid. That's just a band-aid to your problems, but it's not gonna heal the wound. Because that wound is still there, even if you're with a high value man or whatnot. Um, you know, you hear, you know, women like Chrissy and, uh, you know, and Kerrison and, um, I think it was another one named Chris, Crystalline or Crystal or something like that uh On um YouTube, you know, saying all that, you know, nonsense about black men saying that, you know, we are uh less than and all of that. Well, also, too, you can include Cynthia G in the mix because she also said things about black men by, you know, we're just no good and we're just less than and we're just the bottom of the barrel and things like that. I mean, the fact that you that you um just turn into somebody that's very anti-black. And especially anti-black male, you know, it's like, what have we done to deserve this? Now, I I get that some are dusty. I get that some do have that mentality in terms of, uh, you know, treating you a certain way. I I get it. I, I completely get it. But don't, you know, hold all of us accountable for what some do, you know. And that's my issue is that they oftentimes try to blame every single black man for treating them wrong. Uh, by what some did. In other words, what, what I'm trying to say is that they have a lot. They have had a lot of bad experiences, and they tend to just kind of lash out at every black man and stuff like that. It's like the the words that they use for black men online is always negative, always very negative and stuff like that. It's like they rather weaponize our oppression against us rather than you know acknowledge the fact that yeah we are oppressed, not not because we chose to be, but it was by design. And knowing that these women don't look up data and everything like that, they don't look up accurate data. They might look up data, but not accurate data to kind of like frame everything in a way where it makes a lot of sense. That's the reason why I think they're leading their followers astray. You know, it's like a cult, you know, a lot of these women, I would like to diagnose them with obsessive hypergamy disorder. That's the reason why I came up with that phrase is because I feel like it is an obsession. It's it's an obsession with status and money and you know, prestige and things like that, because a lot of those women obviously never had that before. So, of course, they're striving to get it, you know, and they're stressing themselves out by trying to cuff them men who can give them that lifestyle. And I'm just saying that, yeah, I mean, why not just, you know, um, treat men with respect and and not just always have an ulterior ulterior motive in terms of what you're trying to do? Because a lot of those men know that you have an ulteri- or, ah, I can't even say it, ulterior motive behind what you do. So my thing is that yeah, these women are just kind of leading a lot of the women that follow them astray, and, and it's quite sad that they think like that. Um, they just can't really kind of get it through their heads that you know all of these high-value white men or Asian men are not really checking for you like that. If you look at the OKCupid stats, you know, I mentioned this uh, previously in my interracial dating uh, episode where I was saying that, you know, according to the, well, not stats, but really the study, well, it was like two different studies on OKCupid where they said that black people as a whole and Asian men, they both have a hard time in the dating market. And it's probably other studies that have been done as well in terms of the whole notion of dating racism, where it's like people. People don't want to be associated with, you know, dating black people nor Asian men because they feel like they're at the bottom of the social caste that we obviously are under and stuff like that. And they don't want to, you know, have that stigma of being associated with people who don't come from, as I stated before, wealth and prestige and, you know, op- just any type of opulence. And um, that's. You know, mainly the reason why, you know, oftentimes in the dating market, we're not seen as like desirable and things like that is because of that notion of like coming from American chattel slavery or just oppression. And that's what they don't want to kind of acknowledge and stuff like that. So it's like, of course, you know, nobody, especially when it comes to immigrants here, nobody comes here to be in solidarity with black Americans. They come here to join the winning team, which is basically the majority of the population in this country, as we, you know, as we know. So what they don't realize is that, you know, white men are seeing you the same way white women are seeing black men. And what they don't realize is that, um, you know, is it achievable for them? You know, is it going to be achievable, achievable for them to, or just even realistic for them to even get that particular, you know, man that they're looking for that are, you know, like I said, that, that, have that type of uh, income. Now, in terms of broke being subjective or objective in terms of what I wanna talk about, I would say that, um, yeah, I mean, broke can be subjective because depending on where you live, uh, such as like California, for example, you're gonna have to have a lot of money to live in California, especially like in the LA area or in other metropolitan areas in California, you're gonna have to have a lot of money. So it depends on where you live. And I think a lot of times, you know, they they say things in terms of broke being like anybody that's making less than six figures. So so it can be a man that's making slightly less than six figures and they'll still consider them to be broke dusties. And my thing is that, yeah, you know, that's not how you really calculate, you know, who's broke and who's not. Because to me, broke just means that it's somebody that doesn't come from wealth and somebody who um, is either unemployed or underemployed. That's pretty much like, you know, what broke means to me. Um, Somebody that's made, making like 80 or $90,000 a year. That's not broke, but it's not rich either. Like I said, that's kind of on the cusp of making six figures, but that's not quite there. But like I said, depending on the location that might be considered to be, you know, below um the poverty line or, you know, somewhere near poverty or something like that. If you're making 80 or $90,000 and stuff like that, like I said, if you're living in California or maybe in the New York area, Yeah, that might be considered to be, you know, under standard or below standard or something like that. Um, I know that, you know, uh, people see good money differently, you know, because I would say that, yeah, one hundred thousand dollars is not a lot of money. It's really not a lot of money. Um, Once you I think once you get one hundred thousand dollars or more, you'll realize that, yeah, um, it's still the same outcome as if you were to make fifty thousand dollars um you might be able to afford a little bit more with a hundred thousand dollars versus fifty thousand dollars for example but you may not be able to you know um get certain things such as you know so, in other words what i'm trying to say is that you may not be able to get certain things like millionaires can get you know even if you're like a single digit millionaire millionaires you know don't consider themselves to be all the way rich either especially the ones who are making maybe a million dollars or maybe five million dollars or something like that that seems like it's rich on the surface but a lot of times when you are making more your expenses tend to be more and i think that's what they don't realize is that yeah um all of this type of stuff can be more subjective because it's like broke to me might be different for you in terms of how you perceive it and and vice versa or just just with anybody if you ask anybody like what's considered broke what's considered rich, what's considered well-to-do or whatnot. Um, But yeah, to me, that's what I consider broke to be is like somebody who's unemployed or underemployed and they don't have wealth. Or if they are unemployed, they, um, you know, well, what I'm trying to say is that even when you talk about the flip side of being, uh, the flip side of broke, you know, such as like being well-to-do, there are people who don't even have to work and they are, very wealthy in terms of the six figures. So it's like they might not be making six figures, but it's like they come from a family where they, like I said, have that type of money, but they can just live off of that money without having to work. So I think that's what, you know, they don't talk about. They don't talk about the variables or the nuances of, um, you know, of what it means to like have a lot of money because not everybody who makes who has six figures Are working. Some people are not working and and still have six plus figures because they come from a rich family, you know, like the Rockefellers, like you know the Bezos family, like the Bill Gates family, and things like that. I mean, you know, those are super rich men that, um, you know, uh, that in other words, if they, I guess, if they have kids, their kids don't really have to work. Their all their kids have to do is just live off of their parents' money. Um, You know, I mean, because. It, I I heard something where they said that it takes three generations to, you know, build a successful career for, you know, pa- for future generations. So it takes three generations to become successful in terms of like being, you know, uh, top tier in, you know, certain professions and things like that. So in other words, if, you know. If the, if the first generation wants to be a lawyer or a doctor, it may take more time. If the second generation wants to be a doctor or a lawyer, it may take time. But if the third generation wants to do it, they might have more leverage because, you know, those two generations, you know, pave the way for them in order to get to that spot, get to that spot or be able to even reach, um, that position or whatnot, or even like, f- you know, fill that position or whatnot. And I think that, you know, They are kind of sadly mistaken in terms of like, you know, what it takes, because, see, like I said, people who come from that type of, you know, background, they don't typically, you know, come from like people who had to struggle in order to make ends meet. They usually come from parents who had pretty decent paying jobs, you know, so everybody doesn't come from parents who has um, I mean, parents who have my bad parents who have, um, you know, high paying or high enough paying jobs to even sup- support their kids. So it's like, yeah, me, I didn't grow up privileged. I didn't grow up with a silver, silver, my bad, silver spoon in my mouth. <laughs> I can barely speak. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I can acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you know, you know, me, I had to pretty much, you know, do things a different way in terms of move a different way. So, yeah, uh, uh, a lot of these women, they really um, just don't realize that, yeah, it's a struggle trying to make that much. I mean, a lot of these women want men to nearly stress out and pass out over trying to give them that luxury lifestyle. And that's the problem that they, you know, they have uh, is the fact that they are putting a lot on men. To really kind of get, cause, uh, cause I would say oftentimes when men make that much, they don't want to be around you. They're not going to want to be around you like that. Um, especially when it comes to like their careers, because usually men like that, they focus more on their career than a woman anyway. So it's like, I don't even know why they're even with a woman because they're not going to have any time to be with them because they're out there making the money while women are taking these, you know, solo shopping sprees and, uh, you know, solo exotic trips and going to all these exquisite places by themselves. You know, you're gonna see a lot of that when it comes to, you know, the women that actually are able to get the men that are making that much. You know, they're gonna pretty much, um, you know, just kind of do everything solo and stuff. So I would say that, you know, since, you know, you w- you're looking for those type of men, I mean, you might, you may as well be, you know, uh, solo in terms of, uh, you know, in in terms of what you're looking for, because it's like a lot of those men, yeah, don't really have hardly any time for you as a woman. So I'm just saying there needs to, you know, there needs to be an ending to this whole obsession with status, money, and prestige, because it's like these women are getting out of control with their disorder, you know? That is a disorder that they have, you know? It's coming from the fact that They didn't come from much. It's coming from the fact that they, you know, uh, value only something that is more monetary and more uh, basically, you know, something that revolves around numbers or metrics. And they don't really care to um, get to know people beyond that. That's all you pretty much like are witnessing when it comes to these, um, you know, uh, divesters and swirlers they pretty they're pretty much like holes for for white men as I stated before they're just pretty much holes um and they don't know how to like open up to anybody because they are so broken and everything like that is like come on now you know like you these women really got to do better with their mentality you know really reevaluate their thinking they need to really reevaluate their thinking in terms of like what they can get and what they cannot get, you know, because I would say that most white men are not really into to black women, as I stated before, just like most white women are not into black men. Usually, usually, as I stated before, even in my uh, previous episode regarding in the interracial dating, uh, this is another thing I said that um, most of the, most of the time. You know, um, they're checking for their own people, you know, they're not really they, you know, and then at the same time, you know, they are using most of us as a fetish. I'm talking about both black men and black women. They see both of us as just a fetish that they can kind of like, you know, use to get their sexual, you know, desire, uh, sexual needs met, I guess you can say. You know, cause, cause, I mean, just think about it like this. I mean, like back in slavery times, you know, both black men and black women were only known to be the shoes, you know, just the shoes that everybody, you know, uh, wears so that, yeah, the shoes that everybody wear so that way they can, um, you know, uh, just use us as as a mule, you know, so we're still used as mules even in the dating market. So it's like when it comes to the whole sexual thing, they always gravitate towards either black men or black women. But when it comes to starting a nuclear family, when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to do something that's more uh, secure, it's like they don't want to have anything to do with us because of that stigma. So we pretty much know that, yeah, that's the mentality of America is that we're just used we're just used to just um be people to exploit rather than people to start any type of family or start any type of relationship with. So that concludes this episode and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.